0: Welcome to the Transfix Take Podcast, where we are performance-driven. Each week we deliver news, insights, and trends for shippers and carriers, but today we have a very special episode. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dean. I'm so excited. We are with Dean Croak, who is the principal analyst for Dat Freight and Analytics. Now, just to give you a little bit of a background, Dean has deep roots in trucking spanning over 50 years with his family owning and operating a trucking business in Australia, being a truck driver in the Outback, running about 2 million miles. Is that right? Yep. Correct. Awesome. And then switching gears in the late 90s to focus on trucking analytics related to driver fatigue, safety, Mm. sleep schedules, and hours of service. So thank you for joining me today.
1: Great to be with you. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. So Dean, I'd love to focus on where your beginnings came from. I mean, with your focus on driver fatigue and sleep patterns and so forth, what was it that led you to really zero in on these issues within the trucking industry?
1: Yeah, it it was just sort of Complete and utter sleep deprivation as a driver, you know, doing long hours, irregular shifts, um, you know, a lot of nighttime driving and just the sleep deprivation and the impact on health. Uh, When I was running a company, I ended up losing a couple of drivers on my watch who as an ops manager, um, when you're dispatching drivers, you take responsibility for them. And Mm. they both fell asleep and, uh, and passed away. So I had the, um, responsibility to inform their family as, as to what had happened. And that's one of those life-changing events where you look at yourself and say, you know, there's probably a better way we could do this. We need to do a lot better. Right. So as a result of that, and, and by the way, both these drivers were completely compliant with their hours of service. So at that point, and I knew, I mean, most drivers know that you can be 100% compliant with hours of service regulations and sound asleep at the wheel at the same time. Sure. There's no connection between the two as far as I'm concerned. Being compliant to unsafe regulations doesn't make you safer. In fact, a lot of drivers will tell you it makes you worse. So that's where I sort of started from. And and by chance, I was speaking at a conference of international academics in Australia on the subject of fatigue in transportation. And a Harvard professor was speaking after me. And so it was a chance meeting and he invited me to uh, run his consulting business here in Boston. And that was in late 1999 and the rest is history. I switched to the sort of the data analytics side of uh, transportation. But having worked with a Harvard professor, I got to study human physiology to right. try and find out why drivers fell asleep. Like why, as a driver, why did I repeatedly fall asleep at the wheel? What, what could we do different? You know, What is the solution? What could we do better? How could we design regulations better? So sure. that's where really he started that journey.
0: What was the most surprising stat that you found in your studies?
1: Um, that about 85% of all, the cost of all accidents only come from about 10% of the number of accidents. Wow. So it's an interesting stat, right? If you look at insurance company loss run data across the you know, multiple you know, continents, you'll see the same trend trend play out where most of the cost is coming from very few accidents. It's almost the 80, 20 Pareto rule, but it's, it's more like 85, 10. And when you look at the 10% of accidents, they have a very distinct risk signature. They are single vehicle lane departures. They are a four degree drift from lane center. Mm-hmm. And, and four degrees is very important. It, it, and when you look at the crown of a road that's designed to run water from the center, sure. when you fall asleep at the wheel and stop steering with your large muscles and back muscles, uh, gravity will take you off at four degrees. So if you're in the left-hand lane, you'll drift at four degrees into the median, and you mm-hmm. see those track marks in the winter all the time. Oh yeah. If you're on the if you're on the right-hand lane, you'll drift into a guardrail or a bridge abutment or just run off the road completely. And when you look at accident statistical uh, st- data, what you see is you never see the word you know the driver fell asleep. You'll see hit guardrail, run off road, rollover, and it, and the one that goes to the left in the median, is it's just titled wrecker. Where a wrecker wow. comes along and pulls the truck back out. So when you talk to truck companies about what their most common accident is, they all of their loss runs are categorised by a description of what happened, not what caused it. So that's why companies really struggle to understand what's really causing accidents because they're always just looking at what the outcome was and not digging deep enough.
0: So why do you know, in your perspective, why do you think uh, there's a lack of transparency in that? Is it simply embarrassment? Is it what would what do you think it is?
1: It's it's litigation. First and foremost, well, absolutely. Some some, some companies banned the word fatigue, Mm. Uh, and in particular, in the years leading up to when ELDs became more common, and plaintiff attorneys would uh, go after truck companies who had paper logs because they were an easy mark. It was easy to prove you weren't compliant, because the the court system believed that if you were compliant, you were therefore safe. And of course, that's that's not the case in the real world. But in the courtroom, that was why you saw such huge fines in the early 2000s. Um, once companies started to put ELDs in, you know, the first company had ELDs in was um, uh, 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by about 2007, most of the big fleets figured out that they uh, they needed to have very tight compliance around scanning paper logs into electronic logs and then auditing them against uh, toll receipts and, and fuel receipts. And the two had to line up. And then, then companies just said, you know what, the litigation, the risk is too much. Let's just put electronic logs in our trucks." So from about 07 onwards, that's when you started to see most of the large fleets implement the technology. And then, of course, the rest came online in um, April of 18 when the hard mandate came in.
0: It's interesting that that trajectory, right? And that spiral yeah. of just being able to uh, identify what where yeah. the issues were. And then now, right. I mean, ELDs are now mandated across right. the board so right. you know it, yeah. it was only going to happen it was inevitable yeah.
1: well it was it started with you know the, the the legal side of things but it wasn't about safety it was about <laughs> compliance right. and, and so if you look at accident data and some of the latest reports now show that accidents haven't improved in fact accident risk has even increased because drivers are rushing more now to get there uh, to get off the road before the eight hour mark arrives when they've got to, you have to have their half hour break you see a lot of carriers now on the road, in the breakdown lane, having their 30 minute break in mm. preference to getting a violation. And anybody in the safety and legal world will know that the high speed rear end in the breakdown lane is a claim that goes on for years. It's a multiple year claim. I've never seen any of them clean. It's probably one of the worst you'll have in terms of dealing with um, you know, fatalities and, and long, long tail claims. Absolutely.
0: You know, and and just going into uh, a little deeper on the hours of service, the current, I mean, just to set the stage here, right? For truckers, there is an 11 hour uh, period of time for driving with a 14 consecutive Mm -hmm. hours of on duty Mm -hmm. time and in any 24 period. And then there's a 30 break, uh, 30 minute break requirement after eight cumulative hours. So, so quite a lot of situations Mm -hmm. there when it comes to driving time, not to be confused with on duty, duty time.
1: Right, right. So now,
0: you know, and of course, there is exceptions with adverse driving conditions with weather and, you know, long uh, short haul versus long haul, et cetera. But do you think that this works for driver health?
1: No, uh, for some. So to say it doesn't for everybody is, is, is certainly true. It doesn't work for everybody. It's not a one size fits all solution. You can't put a prescriptive uh, 24 hour box around the human body because our sleep patterns change as we age. So for example, from 20 to age 50, the amount of deep sleep you get drops by a half. The mm. so quality of sleep changes, your sleep patterns change, you become more of a morning person as you age. Yeah. Your, your sleep requirements are different. Your sleep quality is different. As you put on weight, you have a higher propensity for obstructive sleep apnea, mm. um, smoking, alcohol, all those sorts of things exacerbate the quality of sleep. So it's really a, you need a lot of flexibility around hours of service and, and unfortunately the prescriptive hours of service are designed for the worst possible scenario. That's why you have such prescriptive regulations. The reality is that probably 90 to 95% of drivers are fine. Um, they'd be fine without hours of service. Like they just, they're good operators. They know how to run. There's always the percentage that that always wants to push the limits right. and uh, and not, you know, not sleep properly, not look after themselves. So the, the, the problem with the current hours of service is that, um, the drivers will tell you that it, it forces them to drive when they're tired and when they really need to rest they can't. So for example if you if you drive all night and drive through sunrise, um, from a physiological point of view, that blue light that hits you in the eyes at sunrise tells you that another day is here. Mm. Because the human brain has evolved to wake with the sunrise and, and go to bed when the sun goes down. The fact you're driving a truck at night doesn't come into the equation. It's all driven by, by blue light in particular. So mm. your body goes through this sleep pattern and you're trying to go to work and drive. On the other end of the shift, when you're trying to go to sleep and have a 10-hour break after the sunrise, yep. the body's trying to wake up and you're trying to go to sleep. And the, and, this, and there's this internal battle that goes on. And that's why most drivers that have a 10 hour break in the day get on average four and a half hours sleep. Whereas if you had a 10 hour break at night, when you're designed to sleep, it's more like seven. Mm. So that's why a lot of drivers will tell you, they'll sit around during the 10 hour break during the day, unable to sleep, frustrated, quite, quite awake and could drive for a few hours, but they can't because they've got to sit there for 10 hours. By the time 10 hours rolls around, they're exhausted. Right, and then they've got to go again that night. Right. So the now th- this is a lot better than what it was before two thousand and four, when it was ten on, eight off. Right. That was that was horrendous because every, every eighteen hours a new shift started. So, but when you look at the eight hour break, the eight hour sleep pattern was happening six hours earlier every day. You can't yep. you can't go to bed six hours earlier every day. So the current hours of service in 'o four at at eleven on. 10 off and three other is a 24 hour uh, cycle. And what the, what the uh, regular regulatory authorities are trying to do is get the daily pattern closer to the rising and setting of the sun. So how the body, how the circadian rhythms work. Right. Right. Now the problem is that not everybody fits that pattern and, uh, and you end up with drivers not fitting, not being able to get enough sleep in those hours. And I think that what I've advocated for for years is the flexibility of paper logs within the electronic log format. So, um, in 2005, I put together a consortium of carriers with some colleagues called Hours of Sleep. Mm. And it was a deliberate play on words. What we wanted to do was put the 11 and the 10 together however we wanted. But at the end of the day, it adds up to 11 on, 10 off. Right. So drive two, sleep five, drive one, sleep two, yeah, but at the end of the day, it's no more than 11 hours driving, 10 hours off. You have six hours continuous sleep. And, uh, and that, would have, that would have given you the flexibility of paper logs because drivers will tell you that paper logs allowed them to sleep when they were tired, drive when they were awake. And the reality is the numbers just added up to 11 on, 10 off at the end of every day and the number mm. that added up to 60 at the end of the week. So you are compliant, but you're much safer. And my data shows, and I've studied both paper logs fleets and electronic log fleets yes and paper log fleets from an accident severity point of view are about 30% safer than fleets that run electronic logs so and and that is will become as no surprise to some people listening here because they know that drivers that run paper logs were historically much safer and more productive right
0: you know, you're not also to your point of this is not being a one size fits all. You're not; these hours aren't taken into consideration. Health issues, stress that goes on the right. road, right, and waiting right. time yep. at detention or mm-hmm. in detention. So it's it, it's interesting how this is supposed to be a one size fits all, but it's not, right?
1: right? No. Well, we all become two year olds when we don't sleep, right? We all behave like two year olds, <laughs> right? And and if you and truckers are no different, they have sleep deprivation problems. Their behavior is somewhat uh, sometimes misinterpreted. Um, hmm. a, lot of, a lot of times drivers are just sleep deprived. They just want to get some sleep and get home. Um, you know, they don't want to race race all night and, and get to an appointment only to be told we're not ready for you.
0: Hmm. Um,
1: that, you know, there's a, there's a school of thought that I've been advocating for that says, if you can design biocompatible schedules, you'll be much safer and more productive. And by biocompatible schedules, I mean, design the driver's schedule around their preferred sleep pattern. Hmm. It sounds it sounds easy. Most fleets struggle with this concept because they book the schedule around the appointment time for the load, right? The you know, shipper or the receiver, which is all back to front. If you said to drivers, "When do you want to drive?" and we'll build your work week around that, hmm. you would find you'd have much higher retention levels because a well-rested brain drives more, is more compliant, is more rational, yep. more productive, and is, it is much more much less likely to quit. Because sleep sleep powers the brain. It powers everything that we do. Without it, life is it's a grind as a driver.
0: You're absolutely right. Now I, I know, I've heard that you have helped drivers learn to sleep better within this this uh, this regulation. How is that? Yeah. And well, let's start yeah. there.
1: Yeah I, I was sitting at an airport in Cleveland and it was sort of a revelation one day and I I was thinking we teach drivers how to be compliant with hours of service but we never teach them how to get good quality rest in the 10 hour break. Right. And by that point I I'd, I'd figured out what sleep science was about and I I'd, I'd, I'd started to understand that within the circadian rhythms we have this sleep cycle pattern that's about every 90 minutes, about every hour and a half, you go through light sleep, you know you're drowsy, light sleep, deep sleep, mm-hmm. light sleep, dream. And that that the brainwave patterns of that 90-minute sleep cycle do very different things to the body in terms of its, their restorative powers. Yeah. Um, light sleep brainwave patterns in the first 30 minutes restore cogn- uh, cognition, vigilance, task control, alertness. That's yep. why a power nap is really important. Mm. When you go past when you go past 35, 40 minutes, you're in deep sleep. And in deep sleep, your brain goes, um, your brain sort of goes into this, you're kind of dead to the world. You're in this state of paralysis in your brain, but your body is tossing and turning because it's dealing with the physical fatigue. It's fixing your skin, hair, muscles, eyes, human growth hormones getting pushed into the body in deep sleep. At about 75 minutes, you come out of deep sleep into light sleep, and then the brain starts dreaming. But the reverse happens where your body then goes into a state of paralysis. So you don't act out your dreams, but your brain is buzzing with electricity. So in an hour and a half, your body goes through this restorative process of both your brain and your physical body through these different brainwave patterns. and 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 a good night's sleep is just four or five of those one and a half hour blocks put together. And I'll give you an example of why that's absolutely critical. Sure. Have you ever had a one hour nap and woken up feeling worse? Absolutely. Right. So one hour is the worst number to pick. And it's what every driver says on the CB radio. I'm going to pull up and have an hour. Yep. An hour is in deep sleep. An hour takes you to deep sleep where the brain is unconscious. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens is that when you wake from deep sleep, you wake with this thing called sleep inertia. And it's, it takes about 30 minutes to shake. So that's why a lot of people wake up with sleep inertia, feel tired, groggy, moody you know lethargic disorientated sure and then they go for a cup of coffee caffeine takes about 30 minutes to kick in and then the world comes right so if you'd have if you'd have let that one hour nap go to an hour and a half Hmm. the brain was buzzing with electricity wide awake you can just put yourself into gear and go because you're already awake the brain was already dreaming and awake it was just in a state of paralysis in terms of your body so napping is short 20 to 30 minute naps sleeping in blocks of an hour and a half all you do is just put hour and a half blocks together and you need at least four of those blocks every night or six hours Mm -hmm. to get good quality sleep and this is why sleep isn't linear more is not better so six is better than seven right because seven is in the middle of the next sleep cycle whereas seven and a half is better than seven but eight 100%. eight is worse than seven and a half. So it's it's the blocks of an hour and a half that are absolutely critical to the quality. Mm-hmm. And that's how you get better quality sleep from less hours in bed. Interesting. And that's the magic. It's the sleep cycle that's the key.
0: You've yeah. got to count
1: cycles, not hours.
0: That's right. I'm sorry, I'm I'm uh, mind blown because I I remember taking these hour naps and I can only yep. imagine what that feels like yep. as a driver who then has to oh. immediately start driving.
1: Well, for a, driver, for a driver that's sleep deprived, the sleep inertia is even more severe. In mm-hmm. fact, for anybody, if you're already sleep deprived, that waking from sleep, sleep and sleep inertia is much more severe and lasts longer.
0: Mm.
1: And that's what fatigue is. Right. So people talk about fatigue. Fatigue is is a symptom of sleep deprivation and and a range of other things. Right. right. But fatigue is fatigue hurts. It's an ache behind the eyes. It's a dull headache. It's things aren't quite right. I'm not quite with it today. Um, You know, my memory's not quite right. I'm a little bit edgy. So fatigue is a lot of things, but it comes and it's really severe if you wake from deep sleep repeatedly Mm -hmm. as a driver. So what, what I've been able to teach drivers to do is count cycles, sleep cycles. If you've got seven hours, get four sleep cycles or six hours and get out of bed. Don't lay there thinking another hour is going to help you because it'll hurt you. And that, that sleep inertia will stay in your brain like a fog all day. So the, the key is the key is how do you set your alarm clock around sleep cycles. That's another thing that I've taught drivers to do. Sure. And of course you, you want to supplement this with naps and you know make sure you get a couple of nights off every week. There's a number of things that I've been able to teach drivers to do, but the most transformative is being able to get drivers sleeping in cycles of 90 minutes and putting blocks of those together. Right. Not not worrying about waking up in between because you wake up at the end of a dream and then drift off back to sleep. Right. And, and if you've ever woken half an hour before your alarm clock, that meant you were awake at the last sleep cycle. So Uh if you set your alarm clock half an hour earlier, you'd always be waking up at the end of that sleep cycle and suddenly you've got another half an hour in the day to be more productive because that extra time laying in bed can actually be very uh, problematic in terms of how you feel. I've certainly learned that the hard way. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Do you think... I've heard you talk about this before, but you know, there are drivers that especially new, the next generation of drivers that are coming and I think they're changing a little bit in how they Mm. feel about trucking. So, whereas before it was more, this is my day job, right? And this Mm. is my, my Mm. gig. Now Mm. it's more career driven. And and Mm -hmm. so do you think that that will, um, in the long run or the long haul, do you think that will be something that is positive for the industry as a whole for retention?
1: Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's definitely a, a generational shift going on. Sure. Uh, but the problem is that a lot of the younger generations are more tech savvy. They have more uh, technology around them. Mm-hmm. And the problem with the technology is the blue light that those devices emit simulates sunlight. Right. So again, if, if it's 10 o'clock at night and you're laying in bed, and this applies to everybody, you and I included, if it's mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night and you've got an iPhone Two inches from your eyes, lighting your brain up with blue light, sleep, the sleep gate won't open and sleep is delayed. So I think the the downside of you know the 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 newer generations that are much more engaged with technology mm-hmm. is the fact that they're getting a lot more light stimulation than they would have normally had before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other problem though is that the the other generations have different work work life balance expectancies. Right. Um, you know, I'm from the baby boom generation. I didn't mind traveling long distances and and working um, a long way from home. That's mm-hmm. sort of a generational. Um, accepted uh, work practice. Uh, Millennial generation don't want to be at home more often. And rightly so. Like, I understand that. I want to be at home more often too. But so the problem is, if you want to be at home more often, driving a truck is kind of the opposite thing. That's what you should be doing. So a lot of truck companies end up hiring their own problems because the drivers don't want to be at home as often. They want to be home more often, can't get home because it's not a job that's just conducive to being home every night. Even mm-hmm. every weekend is problematic. Right. So for a, lot of, for a lot of new drivers that have got to sort of uh, earn their earn their stripes, to use an analogy, do their apprenticeship, get some tenure and credibility, they've got to be out for a long period of time. And that means pay is not as good as it could be. It's kind of the worst possible scenario. I'm away from home. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be sleep deprived and I'm not earning as much as I ultimately could if I'm there for five years. Yeah. So it's a, And plus it's just a really hard job. Like the steering part's easy. But the the mental aspect of driving a truck with weather, traffic, car drivers, um, dock time, delays, detention time, it's a really stressful job because you always want to be somewhere else. Yeah. And and, and dealing with, you know, family problems from the seat of a truck a thousand miles away, it's hard to describe how stressful that is. It's just a very difficult job. Yeah. And and it's a thankless job where you know your drivers don't get a lot of respect. So it's it's a challenge no matter what generation we're talking about. It's a it's a hard job, and we are struggling as an industry to make it a good job, like yeah. you know, an attractive job. Pay is part of it. Like pay For is sure. only a small part. Of, I mean that'll that'll attract drivers to the industry, but you've got to have a lot of tenure to earn the kind of money that's being bantered around. Um, yeah, underlying fair. all of that, regardless of pay, um, it's still a hard job. Well, you know.
0: I, I would love to leave on on a on a note here for carriers. But what do you think if you could leave us with the most important advice to carriers from all yep. shapes and sizes, small, large, mega fleets, yep. that could save a driver's life? What would yep. it be?
1: The most important thing any fleet can do to decrease the risk, increase profitability, productivity, miles per tractor week, and, and increase retention levels, is have drivers start work at the same time every single day without fail. Why is that? If you have the same start time by default, you have the same sleep pattern. Hmm. Now, if you have different start times every day, you're screwing up the driver's sleep pattern and that's what leads to sleep deprivation and accident risk and, and poor health outcomes. Right. So the same start time, it gets back to the biocompatible scheduling angle design schedules around a driver's preferred sleep pattern because some drivers will want to start at 10 in the morning cause they're night owls. Yep. Other drivers will want to start at three in the morning cause they're morning lights. Hmm. So so designing your schedules around a driver's preferred sleep pattern, but of of all the things you can do, lock in the start time and don't deviate that because the human brain has an inbuilt drive for what we call anchor sleep. Sleep right. at the same time, same place every day. That's what's inside our bodies driving us every day. That's yeah. the best thing peak fleets could do right now.
0: Thank you so much, Dean. What an insightful conversation. I could talk to you all day, but I know you don't have time you for can. that. so. <laughs>
1: I've
0: got to have um, a nap now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> same, same, but buddy, hour and a half nap. There we go. That's what I, exactly. I will always keep with me. It's exactly. truly a pleasure. And I'd love to have you on at some point in the future to get into deep dive on on more stats yeah. relative to health and wellness. But
1: anytime. Great to absolutely. be with you. you. Great
0: to meet you, Dean. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Okay. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much to Dean Croak for visiting us today on the Transfix Take podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Dean, he is the principal analyst for DAT Solutions, and you can see more of his work at dat.com. Other than that, drive safely and don't forget, get that sleep. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Transfix Inc. or any parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the participants are affiliated and may have been previously disseminated by them. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are based upon information considered reliable, but neither Transfix Inc. nor its affiliates nor the companies with which the participants are affiliated warrant its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such. All views and opinions are subject to change.